Good morning. I am Hafa, one of the elders here. Uh, our lead pastor is on a very much needed sabbatical this summer. Um, and in the meantime, we are going through the book of Ephesians. Uh, today we're going to be looking at Ephesians 4. And while you turn there, let me do a quick intro. Because you'll notice this week will feel a little bit different than last week. That's mostly because last week uh, I took everybody into the kitchen, taught you how to mince, dice, some techniques, Greek words here and there, a lot of cross-references. Um, but today is going to feel different because we're going to sit around a table and we're going to enjoy the meal together. We're just going to enjoy the meal and I may throw in on how something was made, a spice here and there. Um, but really today is about just enjoying God's word together. That said, if you're able, please stand with me as we read God's word together. We are reading Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17 through 32. It says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you, ready to hear, ready to listen. God, ready to be shaped by your word, ready to be shaped by the truth here, um, and to hear what Paul has to say to us on how to live the Christian life, how to walk. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have to tell us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all can sit down. So today, we're going to talk about ducks. Why? Well, ducks, they tend to imprint soon after birth. And to imprint means that right after they're born, right after they're hatched, they're not really hatched, the first thing they see 
is that's what they identify with. I'm that thing. And typically that works for the duck because normally mama duck is the first thing they see. Hatch, that's me. I'm a duck. Just like that. However, this phenomenon sometimes backfires, right? It's kind of fascinating to see the YouTube rabbit hole that you can go down. But there are stories of a duck, and I have, in mind I have one story specifically, of a duck that was born, hatched in the watchful eye of a motherly dog. So as you may guess, the duck hatched, saw the dog, that's me. I'm that thing. So the baby duck followed the dog wherever the dog went. It went to it for protection. It slept with it at night. It even hung out like underneath the porch for shade. And when a car would come in the driveway, they would jump out and chase after it. Because that's what dogs do. Some things, however, could not be changed. So the duck still quacked. You can't change that. The duck still enjoyed water. The duck still flapped its wings. So sometimes it acted like a duck. Sometimes it acted like a dog. Why do I bring this up? I think Christians oftentimes experience a very similar confusion in identity. We have been born into and grown up in the world, fallen world, and we have learned the ways of it. We have become, in some ways, like it. However, when we are Christians, we are in Christ. We no longer do the things like the world do. Spiritually speaking, we no longer are who we once were. We are new in Christ. Too often, if you can relate with me, and maybe it's just me, I don't know, we don't see ourselves correctly, right? We act like the thing we think we are, like a dog, rather than what we really are. We're ducks. We believe and try to do the right things and we try to really muster up the strength to do what's good and right, but for the life of us, we just can't get it exactly right. When we least expect it, a car pulls up in the driveway of our lives and we jump out, viciously quacking, barking at the car. Who are we? I'm not supposed to do that. I'm a duck, right? I think so. We're supposed to be swimming. Clear blue lakes. We're supposed to be bobbing for seaweed, preening our feathers, laying eggs, and not chasing cars or harassing the cat. Last week, we saw that the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul helps us see who we truly are as Christians, right? We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We're holy and blameless before God. We are adopted into his family. We are redeemed, forgiven. So Paul tells us, the readers, who they have become in Christ. This is who you are, your identity. Shifts the conversation in the last part of the Ephesians letter. It says, this is how you live in light of that. Therefore, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We have been called into a calling. In the second half of Ephesians, 
is an unpacking of what it means to walk like that. How do we walk in a manner worthy of that calling? Last week, we talked about what that looks like as far as maintaining and attaining unity in the body. And this week, we're gonna talk about what it means to put off our old self and put on our new self, our new person, and how to do that. So let's get started in Ephesians 4. And we're actually gonna start in verse 22, a little bit into the section here. Verse 22 says this, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Again, if you're in Christ, you're putting off your old self. In other words, killing sin, if you will. You're no longer who you once were, all your habits, all your thoughts, putting that aside, because if we do not kill sin, sin will kill us. If we wage war against sin in the power of the Spirit, obviously, we prove that Christ is alive in us. Let's simplify that thought, though. I like how D.L. Moody explains this. He says, the ship belongs in the water, the water of the world, but if the water gets in the ship, the ship sinks. That's us. We belong in the water of the world, but if the water gets in us, we sink. Any other version of Christianity falls short of what Christ died for. We're putting off our old self, which belongs to the former manner of life. Now, what is this old self? What does that look like? And we don't have to go too far. We just have to go back to verse 17, 18, and 19 to see how Paul characterizes this old self. He says this, No longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. This is our state before Christ. This is our state without Christ. It's deep. It's a lot going on. But this is who we are without Christ. And I think it's helpful to understand what's going on in verses 17, 18, and 19. It's helpful because we'll know what we're putting off, what we're putting on, and a little bit of the how. Okay? Um, So, In order to really understand what's happening here, we kind of did this last week, and so we'll do it again this week. Meaning, when we see a list of things, right, this is a state that we're in. It's just a lot of really negative, heavy, dark things. It's not just there randomly, it's doing something. There's an order, right, to how these things are built together, right? And you can even kind of hear with how Paul describes this. No longer walk, In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in in their understanding, alienated because of the ignorance, due to their hardness. So they're doing something, right? So what is it doing? And I'd like to propose a logical way of thinking about this section, right? 
because we'll see what's at the core of the old self, and then we'll see what the new self looks like, the core of the new self. Okay, so here's what I'm proposing, how to summarize these verses. Starts at the top. They practice every kind of impurity, or they walk, right? To go back to that theme. They walk in every kind of impurity because they have given themselves up to sensuality, right? That's verse 19. They have given themselves to sensuality because of the futility of their minds. They have futile minds because they are darkened in their understanding, because they are alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of their hardness of heart, that is, they have become callous. That's the deepest problem in humanity. It's not wrongdoing, but hardness of heart, callous hearts. It is out of that that all the things we see here flow out of, right? Here's what I mean. The old self has a hard heart, callous heart. That callous heart leads to an ignorance of God, can't know God, in fact, won't know God, refuse to know God. That leads to an alienation from the life of God, rejection of God. And that leads to a darkened understanding of the world they live in, a darkened understanding of oneself, a darkened understanding of the people around you. And because of that, you only think of yourself as futile, and that leads to giving oneself up to sensuality, pleasures, satisfaction. I need more, more to myself. And that leads to all kinds of greediness, self-centeredness. I need more respect, accolades, recognition. I need more money, power. I need people to submit to me. So others become a means for something to you. You use them. But it's not where God left us. Because as horrible as we looked in our sin, where God found us, we are now being rebuilt and refined to become more like Christ. That's why grace is so amazing. Verse 20, this is not the way you learn Christ. God, rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, even when we were hardened in our hearts, callous, he made us alive together with Christ. That's what we learn about him in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. That shows that verses 17, 18, and 19 are utter foolishness apart from Christ. You're no longer strangers and aliens in Christ. You're fellow citizens with the saints in Christ. You're members of the household of God in Christ. We are loved by Christ with a breadth, length, height, and depth that is beyond our comprehension. We are filled with the fullness of God. That is our new self. That's what we're being created into, made new, made alive. So let's take these three verses and reverse that. What does our new self look like? Well, we don't have a hard heart. We have a new heart, a new self. So this new 
heart leads to knowing God and being known by God. And that leads to an intimacy with God. It leads to our understanding being enlightened in a way that we see ourselves, people, and the world around us. Gives us up to freely, freely give of ourselves to others. It's not about me, it's about him. So I can freely give myself because I know what it costs. So we put on, what we put on is far greater than anything we put off. You're a duck, walk and talk like one. Because this is our new self. We put off the old self, put on the new self. Verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So what were we taught? Well, we were taught to put off your old self. We saw what that looks like. We were taught to renew the spirit of our minds, and we were taught to put on the new self. All right, put off the old self, put on the new self. How? How do we do this? I think the key is in verse 23. We were taught to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. This is how we're changed. Putting on the new person is not something we first do. It's something we first know. Namely, someone we know. I mean, think back at the beginning of the chapter we're in. Therefore, in light of the truth I just told you about God, in light of what he has done for you, in light of the new you, this knowledge, this truth that you have in God, therefore, walk. The new you is in light of the renewing of the mind. So Christian maturity is not just marked by the sins that we put to death, saying no to. We stop there a lot of times. Just don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But Christian maturity is marked by a deeper personal knowledge and intimacy with God and a deeper commitment to his people, his church. As we deepen our knowledge of God, as we have intimacy and relationship with him, we discover new aspects of our new self. What does this new self look like? What are some characteristics of this new self? We kind of looked at the core. New heart leads to thinking of others. But what are some other characteristics, some marks? And Paul does not leave us hanging. Because in verse 25, he lists some things. And I think he kind of keeps the rhythm of put this thing off, put this thing on, because. Negative, positive motivation. Because it's not just doing. It's not just don't do this. It's not just don't do this and do this. It's a because. There's a truth underneath what we're doing. Let's see what that is. Therefore, right, put off, put on, renew your minds. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, 
for we are members one of another. Put away falsehood, put on truth. Why? We're members one of another is unity. We saw that last week, the cost of unity, what it is and how it is maintained. Therefore, because we are one, speak truth. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. This one doesn't have as an explicit positive end, but I think it's, it's there, it's implicit. Don't sin in your anger, but rather seek reconciliation, seek forgiveness, seek kindness and tender heartedness. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Put away stealing, but rather work, work honestly. To give, to give of yourself generously. Doesn't just stop it, don't steal. Don't steal, but work to have, to give. It's more than just doing. There's a truth, there's a new self that is being lived out. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. This is verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Put off, put on, because of grace. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. But what do we put on? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. The new you is not defined mainly but what you have put off by the sins that you have put to death, by the sins that you are killing. The new you is defined by the evidence that Christ is living in you by his spirit. Okay, as Christians we're not defined by what we say no to, but by whom we finally say yes. It's not just doing, it's not saying no here and yes here, but it's by whom we can finally say yes. It is through him, through his spirit, in Christ that we can finally say yes. Avoid giving yourself to earthly pleasures. Avoid pornography completely. Why? Because God has made you alive to reckon others as people to serve, not people to use. Be angry and do not sin. Refrain from ever boiling in anger. But what? Verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other as God in Christ forgave you. Don't cheat or steal in your taxes. Be honest, be generous. Work to have to give. It's beyond just doing. And in that, you will experience 
compassion, humility, peace, joy, and love that only comes to those who love him, who love Christ. The Spirit is not only empowering you to say no, right? Again, it's not about doing. It's not just say no to a thousand times that we say yes to. That's just breaking a bad habit. The Spirit is empowering us to say yes in ways that we have never been able to say yes before. Put off whatever remains of your old self, but don't just stop there. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That was Ephesians 2.10, by the way. Put on by the power of the Spirit what no one else in the world can have any other way. God gave us new life in Christ, not just to say no to sin, but to say yes to a thousand other things in love. Put off your old self. Put on your new self because God is doing something in you. He's doing something. He's changing you. He's made you new and he is changing you. Therefore, live that out. In him, in his spirit, walk. And we gather here weekly and we remember and we celebrate this new life in Christ. We celebrate this life in Christ by gathering around this table week after week. It is a reminder of the cost of unity, it is a reminder of the cost of our freedom. And we celebrate the freedom that we have in Christ. Church, we are free. Free to love, free to give. Because he first gave himself and loved us. So we give thanks to God, the Father, sacrifice until he comes again. At his last supper, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, this is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Therefore, we proclaim our faith signed and sealed in this sacrament. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Let us pray. Lord, our God, send your Holy Spirit that this bread and cup may be for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we and all your saints be united with Christ and remain faithful in hope and love. Gather your whole church, O Lord, into the glory of your kingdom. We pray in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.